0: Hello and welcome. We have the final talk today in our present series here on Search for Truth, and it's great to have your company with us, and thanks for tuning in. If you've been a regular listener, you'll know that over the last two months, we've been studying Paul's letter to the Christians in Galatia under the title of The Gospel of God's Grace. And as I said, this is the last talk in this series, and today Brian ends with a more practical look at the true place for good works in living the Christian life. So, let's go to Brian to find
1: out more. Thanks, John. I wonder if you've noticed the parallels that exist between the Bible letters written to the Romans and to the Galatians. It shouldn't really surprise us, I suppose. Uh, They both have the same human author, the Apostle Paul, And what's more, in each of these letters, Paul is battling against the same error. In fact, the similar treatment would seem to confirm that these are the best counterpoints to use against the false view that salvation is by works. Perhaps even the complete set of reasons explaining why this is a misunderstanding of God's amazing grace. Let's check out the themes which the two letters, the letters to the Romans and to the Galatians, have in common. There's the inability of the law to justify. There's the believer's deadness to the law, the believer's co-crucifixion with Christ, the example that shared of Abraham's justification by faith. the mention that believers are Abraham's spiritual children and that blessing comes as a result of this, and the clear warning that on the contrary, the law brings God's wrath. And in addition, we find mention of the universality of sin, the fact that believers are baptised into Christ, the clarification concerning believers' spiritual adoption, and the fact that love fulfils the law, along with the emphasised importance of walking in the Spirit and of warring of the flesh against the Spirit, and finally, the importance of bearing one another's burdens. That's quite a general overview But I want to turn finally to chapters 5 and 6 of Galatians. It's there that Paul turns to more practical matters, as is often his way towards the end of his letters. His major theme has been to showcase the faithfulness of Christ over against the hopelessness of our own works as the basis of our acceptance with God. Now he turns to explore how we too can be faithful as disciples of our faithful Master, Paul stresses that the true Christian life should be characterized as faith working through love. And then he adds, through love, we should be serving one another. Those are both found from Galatians chapter 5. And taken together, these give an attractive portrait of the essence of Christianity. On that point, emphasizing love, we can scan down the chapter further, the fifth chapter of Galatians, to remind ourselves how love heads up the listing of the fruit of the Spirit. From verse 16, Paul says, "'Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit,' you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. We are complete in Christ but how do we become in daily life what we already are by the grace of God in his sight? The Bible instructs us to focus on our Christian identity and character. We can't do this by ourselves, it's only by working with God. Remember we said that works follow salvation but they don't produce it and this is a work of grace in which we must be diligent. Grace is not opposed to effort, but it's only opposed to earning. So we are to put to death, by the Spirit, the deeds of our body. Or in the language of some translations of Colossians 3, we are to mortify our earthly members. Things like immorality, impurity and greed. To return again to chapter 5 of Galatians, it's the crucifying of our fallen nature with its passions and desires. In the Lord's words, it's by taking up our cross daily. We obviously need God's help, for no one can crucify him or herself. Mortification is a forgotten Christian discipline, it seems, having been ignored probably due to being confused with masochism or asceticism. But it's neither about beating ourselves up or hiding ourselves away. It's about recognising evil and refusing it by setting the mind such that we can bring our body to submission such that it becomes poised to do good, not by force of will but by spiritual disciplines which are about breaking bad habits and making good habits. It helps us to turn from evil when we make no provision for the lusts of the flesh. Negatively, it's by figuratively gouging out our eye, in the Lord's terms, and cutting off our hand or foot, More positively, it's by setting our mind on things above, things of the Spirit of God. So it's both by putting off what's inconsistent and putting on what's consistent with the life of our risen Lord. Daily, God's Word in the power of His Spirit enters the mind and filters down into our heart and there it shapes our will to produce change in our soul. Spiritual transformation is this overall process by which All the elements of self take on the character of the elements of Christ. Having mentioned the Spirit back there, I'd like to comment now on the verse which says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. We've moved into the last chapter of Galatians now, Galatians chapter 6, and that was verse 8. But what does it mean, to sow to the Spirit. I suggest the most helpful approach is to scan the paragraph where we find this expression and search for clues as to what it might mean. In the surrounding verses, we find Paul dealing with such matters as gently restoring a sinning brother, assisting someone who's burdened, sharing material things with the teacher who's communicated spiritual things to us, simply doing good to all and glorying only in the cross. It's not intended, surely, as an exhaustive list, but do these things not inform us of the type of activity that's consistent with sowing to the spirit? On the other hand, what might sowing to our own flesh look like in terms of behaviours? Using the same method, we find mention close by of having an inflated sense of importance, keeping up worldly appearances, trying to avoid being stigmatised or persecuted at all costs and being self-congratulatory. But what does it mean that we reap eternal life from the Spirit? Don't we already have the assurance of eternal life? Yes, we do, based on, for example, 1 John 5 and verse 13, where we're told that those who believe in the name of the Son of God know that they have eternal life. Does this additional reaping of eternal life then suggest to us that there's a sense in which we can enhance our eternal life? Before we look at that, let's touch base with some basics. What is eternal life? Before we received the gift of eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, we were dead in our sins before God. At that time in our experience, God meant nothing to us. We simply weren't interested in anything spiritual, or else our interest was misguided. We first detected the change God had brought about in us when we suddenly discovered an interest in God, as someone might discover an interest in art, where before they were dead to it. Think of how the prodigal son, in Jesus' famous story, was dead to his father at the beginning, having previously no interest in relating to and communicating with him. But the time came when upon his return, now suitably chastened, he knew what it was to enjoy a love for his father. He now felt interested in communicating with his father and enjoying a relationship with him for the very first time in his life. The father said of the son that he'd been as one who'd been dead to him before, But now it was as if he was alive. There was now an interest, a connection, a bond. Eternal life is cultivating a friendship in which God remains loyal to us forever, unaffected by our death. Now, it's quite a thrust of the New Testament that we can make adjustments to our life now in view of the coming day of Christ. Does this mean that we can upgrade in any sense our eternal life experience? Well, for sure, we can get to know God better, starting now. After all, that was the Apostle Paul's passionate desire. And what's more, he tells us that godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also, he says, for the life to come. It does seem then that although our eternal life is assured to us as a free gift, not the result of our own performance-based obedience, We can, however, get a stronger grip on eternal life. I hope our study of Galatians has helped us in that.
0: I do hope you've enjoyed the studies for this series and the talk today. It's been on the gospel of God's grace and I hope especially that you have uh, appreciated the joy and eternal security that comes from having faith in Christ. If not, I would urge you to do so. And if you would like help or have any questions, please write in and Brian will be glad to assist. There's still the transcript book for all the talks in this series. It's available free on request by asking for the title "The Gospel of God's Grace." You can order the book by email or by post, and here's our address: Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, S N four eight D Y U K. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You might be interested to know that many titles of Search for Truth transcript books have been turned into ebooks and are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle hyphen ebooks. And then if you type the Search for Truth series into the search box, uh, they should appear. And once again, many thanks for your company. It's been great to have you with us. Next week, Brian begins a brand new series on a different Bible topic. So please join us again if you can. For now, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So cheerio and may God richly bless you.